just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. If you've ever wondered who to trust for podcast and promotion advice, or you were trying to spray content all over the internet and wondering why it doesn't work, this episode is for you. This is Podfluence, the show that helps you to grow your influence and income with podcasts. My name is John Ball, and my mission is to help you, the self-employed business coach, to grow your influence and income so that you can have a continuously thriving coaching business. That said, if you are a service-based solopreneur, this content can certainly help you too. We tend to think that there is huge competition in the podcasting space, but the reality seems to be that there is far less valuable and quality content out there than we might think. Whilst this episode pulls back the curtain on some of the not-so-good aspects of the podcast world, it also highlights opportunities in podcasting, especially for business. In this episode, I'm joined by Neil Velio, who is a podcasting coach, an editor, an educator, who has a long history in the podcasting world and also in the broadcasting world. I'm Neil Velio, the founder of Pondos Podcasting. We do full-service podcast marketing. If a brand or an individual wants to surface their brand in the podcast apps, then I can help them do that. He's known for speaking his mind and being unafraid to speak out on the more negative aspects of the podcasting world. And he's one of my favorite people to follow on LinkedIn and Twitter for exactly those reasons. We discuss things like should you even be listening to and taking advice from people like Gary Vaynerchuk, how you can easily game the Apple podcast charts if you wanted to, and why one of the top UK podcasts isn't really a top UK podcast. We cover that and so much more stuff. I had to split this episode into two parts because we don't want to blow your brains. So do stay tuned for part two, which will be out very soon. If you do have your device in your hand right now, do me a solid and click the plus button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you have to press to subscribe on your preferred listening platform so that you can get weekly updates from Podfluence as they drop. For now, plug in your earpods and let's get started with part one of my conversation with Neil Velio. Welcome to Podfluence, the podcast for business coaches and professional speakers who want to build audience and authority through podcasts. Here's your host, international coach and speaker, John Ball. Neil, thank you so much for coming and joining me on Podfluence. I've really been looking forward to speaking to you, and I think people are going to understand why when we get into the conversation here. And so I will just preface by saying you are one of my favorite people to follow online. And just love the stuff that you post because you just don't care about that you might piss some people off. It's just like, I'm just going to say things exactly as they are. And I always appreciate that kind of radical honesty is like not horrible about people, just 
telling it like it really is. And so I see that's part of your brand, part of your style online. Has that been very intentional or is that kind of like who you are generally in life? Do you know, I'd love to give you the marketing answer, which is, yes, I've sat and I've established my customer avatar. My customer avatar loves someone who's brash and just gives their opinions. I, I'll be completely honest with you. It's just what I've always done. I, I have a background in the radio broadcasting industry. And to say that I had a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a maverick is a massive understatement. I used to have, there was a running joke with my radio bosses where they would say they were having their weekly meeting with the broadcasting regulator to try and smooth over things after they'd heard my show. So, you know, I've always been, I mean, I, I got in trouble in 1998 because I called the local BBC radio station and I was making jokes about the fact that half of their audience were probably on the deathbed and could we borrow some sugar, which didn't go down well with the local managing editor and my boss, my managing director, bless him, Jerry, at the time, I was off to Ibiza for two weeks. I didn't care. I was on, but my, <laughs> my managing director had to have a meeting with the local BBC managing editor to get them not to go to what was then the radio authority and make a formal complaint. And, you know, thank God for him. He was a great negotiator, a real diplomat, and he smoothed all that over. But... Yeah, I was a naughty boy. And I think what I realized very early on in my career and have continued to realize is that indifference doesn't win. Okay. You know, you can be really, really nice and really safe and that might work. Or you can be really in your face, honest and tell people what they don't necessarily want to hear, but is the truth. And you can win in that regard as well. But what you won't win is by doing something in the middle where you're trying to be nice, but also get the point across. And what I've always thought and understood, rightly or wrongly, is that I would rather die on my sword for something I believe in that might resonate with 10% of my potential audience than just be bland cake, you know, like a vanilla sponge with no icing on it for 99% of my potential audience. And I think... It obviously works because I do get a lot of feedback from people saying, in this world of the podcast influencer, ugh, where you've got thousands of people essentially saying exactly the same thing day in, day out on social media. It's the same old tricks. Consistency is key. Release three episodes on launch day. Release your episodes on a Thursday. Make sure that you do feed drops. It, just all this middle-of-the-road advice that is... One size fits all. And we all know, you'll know, John, one size does not fit all in podcasting. It's a very specific niche medium. And you need to be really hot on the kind of individuals that you're you're approaching with your content. And so I've found the feedback has been that it's been well received and people like the honesty. It's not intentional any more than I'm just being me. But I realized that when... I go online and I try and be middle of the road and safe and try and be professional and treat LinkedIn like this is a professional network. It doesn't resonate as well anyway. So I'm quite happy with the way that things are the things are going, intentional or otherwise. I think we always, we always need people to stir the pot. And I think I first became aware of you through, I'm going to forget the guy's last name, but a guy called Tanner who was on with Tanner Campbell. Tanner Campbell. Yes, the American me. <laughs> who, uh, yeah, who uh, he sadly has left Twitter. And uh, I feel like Twitter is the worst for it. But but yeah, I, you and he did some conversations together and even, I think, even a little project together at one point. Yeah. Uh, that Stole it from me, but you know, we'll, we won't go into detail <laughs> on that. It's fine. 
whole drama. But one of the things I really like is like, because you do know, as we say in the UK, you know your onions, you know what you're talking about. And, and so we need people who do, because I think I've worked in the personal development for industry for a long time. And, you know, I see a lot of parallels between what's going on in podcast coaching and what's been going on in coaching and personal development forever of like, there's loads of people who are just talking tons and tons of BS, but are doing, doing some good marketing and getting business and money through it. And yet there's probably a much narrower band of people who are teaching quality content and information who really know what they're talking about, but people at large generally aren't able to distinguish between those two things and so it's one of those things I always have an issue with like how do we help people who are telling good showing good stuff good content good information get their stuff out there more become I guess louder voices or more more noticed voices in the world than the people who are just talking bs all the time or sharing knowledge that isn't even theirs I think it's a really, really good point. And I think it's really important that people understand this. And I think the, the quickest, I mean, I obviously I overcome this with my own objections that I get in my own marketing. It's one of those things that I address. And it's taken me a long time to work this out. But you can build a business around BS quite easily because we have something called the internet now, which makes things a lot easier to do that. You can, especially with the rise of the chat GPT that everyone's going on about now, you can essentially find out whatever you want. It's going to be within maybe a 90 percentile kind of difference between truth and what's what it's telling you. But you can use common sense and figure out what it's telling you that's true and accurate. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing now is they're actually, they're getting that next bridge. It used to be you'd go to YouTube and watch YouTube videos, you'd read a blog post. Oh, suddenly I'm a podcast expert because I've read some wisdom for an hour of a week. And you know, that now is in my head and I can relay this, regurgitate this garbage. Because it is, predominantly it's garbage. It's one person's opinion on YouTube of how they think you do things. It's like these podcast gurus that have one show and then they start doing a blueprint and they sell that for $3,000. And, you know, that's quite a common thing. I mean, it's yeah. certainly during lockdown, that's how people were pivoting towards doing that. I think the trick here is you have to understand that a lot of people can find out what sounds good quite easily and monetize that. What you need to look out for in terms of whether or not you put your trust in these people and you invest your, you know, your actual brand into following these guidelines is can they give you actual case studies? Can they show you what they've done, how they've helped other people? Do they have proof of their concepts? Because really big giveaway is if you've got an online course and there's no support email, no way of following up with the person that's doing the course, you can bet your bottom dollar is because they don't have a clue what they're talking about. And they've regurgitated, they're just good at marketing. They've regurgitated content, put videos up behind a Kajabi. Have at it. There you go. Pay me $99 and never need to speak to you ever again. And they don't care about you. That's the whole point. That is the transaction. You've paid them a little bit of money, not enough as far as they're concerned to treat you with respect of having the follow up. If you're working with someone that's decent and knows what they're talking about, they will be able to provide you at least one case study where they can show you how they've helped a client or a, an organization that they've worked with. And 
I would say it's probably 1% of all podcast marketing gurus out there that can actually do that. So that would be the first place that I would advise anybody watching or listening to this to, to go and investigate. Do your due diligence because it's more important now in the age of the internet than it ever has been before. Yeah. I, and I think this is a particularly important part. And I certainly wanted to get into some of the, like where podcasting is at right now and sort of the state of podcasting with you. Before we do that, I think really to carry on with where, where we're at, I know that one of the things you talk about a lot is the fake gurus, the phony people out there. And don't, I'm not going to ask you to name them. I think, no, we probably know <laughs> you of the same people. Oh, go on, ask me, go on. <laughs> I could well, do with a court case. <laughs> it would maybe be, it would maybe be, um, this is one of the things I always find, maybe a little bit unfair to, to do that. And certainly uh, I don't want to create material that I can't actually publish. <laughs> but uh, but in terms of doing that, you speak very strongly about it. And you just said there exactly, exactly why. What do you feel are the worst bits of advice that are going around that people are just blindly following and are being regurgitated again and again and again. I know you've already alluded to a few things, but what do you think are the sort of the most sort of bad advice, the worst bad advice out there? I'll give you the current number one. It's been at the top of the charts for the last three weeks, and I think it's going to stay there for quite a while this year. Get your podcast on YouTube. Oh my God. God, I mean, it's almost like podcast gurus. Certainly the new ones have only just discovered that video is an element of podcasting. It's, let's, just, let's just put this right to bed right now. Video podcasting is nothing new. Okay, it's being marketed as something new because YouTube have suddenly shown up on the scene and they've been bubbling away in the background and doing all the video stuff for a long time. And Apple Podcasts have been allowing people to put video podcasts up on their platform for well, since the early 2000s. Let's face it, since the beginning of podcasting, you've always been able to put your video up there. And a lot of, a lot of shows did. Leo Laporte, one of them, had a video podcast. And, you know, it used to be the case that you'd have to download the thing overnight because back then the broadband speeds just weren't there. And video is obviously a lot more bandwidth than audio. You know, nowadays you put your, your Apple podcasts on, oh, the podcast is there, bang, play straight away almost. You know, the, the recent Spotify show on Netflix, the playlist, it shows you in a dramatic way how Daniel Ek sat down his sat his team down and went, right, I want this to sound instantaneous when you hit the play button. I don't want this like the Pirate Bay where you've got to download the torrent for two hours but be able to hear the latest Depeche Mode album. I want this instantaneous. And they got the technology there to within a fraction of a second. Now, it was the opposite of that with the early advent of video podcasting. You had to download it overnight and then in the morning you had to hope it had downloaded and then you could watch it, but it would take another 10 seconds for it to start playing because of the buffering. We're not there now because we've got YouTube. And YouTube offers this instantaneous streaming that doesn't require any initial downloading. It might do if you're in a, you know, in a dodgy area with no signal. Point is, podcast gurus seem to have it in their head now that that's going to be the be-all and end-all of, of podcasting. It's not. We've already had video podcasting. I'll tell you who will do well with a video podcast will be a YouTuber. They're already doing it. To think that you and your whether it's a B2B podcast or a hobby podcast, it doesn't matter. To think that you suddenly recording your content to camera is going to massively grow your potential audience just because 
these people that, hello, they're audio in modality, and they like listening to podcasts because they're audio and they suit their modality. To think they're suddenly going to want your content in video format because it's a video is ludicrous to me. Number one, they're two very different mediums. We've already established that. You've got yeah. auditory people and you've got visual people. The visual people are never going to listen to an audio podcast. The audio people are never going to watch a video podcast or a YouTube video, as you know we more commonly call them. So to me, the idea that people are encouraging brands and individuals to spend even more of their precious time when it's already a tough commodity to get hold of as it is, to spend even more of their time sitting there, editing it to a point that someone's going to want to watch it and engage with it. On top of that, it costs twice as much in not only your time, but your resources, because video editing tools tend to be quite expensive if you're going to get the good ones as well. And if you outsource it, oh, wow, again, three times more than it would cost you to hire an audio editor. And the audience is going to be about a third. You know, I don't know about you, John, whether or not you've seen many of these video podcasts, but right. you look at the numbers, the views, and they're not the same as the view as the listens that you get in your podcast, even in your podcast app stats, which are not as accurate as the dashboards in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So I would say to you that this is one that I think is very agenda driven. I think this is YouTube has done a really great PR machine exercise here of we need to get everyone talking about how YouTube is the place to have your podcast. We're going to ignore the fact that we don't have podcasts anyway. There's all this talk about RSS feeds eventually becoming native in YouTube. But again, another really interesting point here. It's not YouTube. It's right. YouTube music. Yeah, it's a completely different app. Yeah. Absolutely. So not only are they encouraging you, these podcast gurus, get your, your podcast on YouTube, you're not actually getting your podcast on YouTube. You're getting your podcast on a sister app. It's like saying it's like saying that Google buys out TikTok and you can get your podcast on the number one page of Google. No, it's actually on TikTok, which is a very different algorithm. So I think you've got to be very careful about following this stock advice that, I, you know, I used to be a journalist as well. So I know the press releases that go out and the kind of messaging that YouTube will have been using to these influencers that they will have targeted that have got lots of followers, probably a blue verified tick on their Twitter account, talk a lot about podcasting, know they've got a lot of sway, and said to them, if you if you look after us, we'll look after you, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know what I mean? We might make your podcast service higher in YouTube because you're advocating for YouTube. And this is quite common in the space, unfortunately. Do, do you think that YouTube then particularly have muddied the waters about what is or isn't a podcast? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's obvious you know youtube so i come from the old school of podcasting where if it doesn't have an rss feed then it's not a podcast i'm relaxing on that because at the end of the day content is content anyway and whether you want to listen to a podcast or watch a youtube video or read a blog post it doesn't matter if you're after the content then it's content it's valid but it's not a podcast if it doesesn't have an rss feed and so yeah, it's it's really interesting. Obviously, what's the biggest demographic on YouTube? It's probably the millennials, Gen Z. They're the ones that are watching this stuff, and they're the ones that are easy to convince with these new narratives. Of, oh, you know, a podcast doesn't have to have an RSS feed. It could be anything. And you mentioned yourself, Tanner. Tanner Campbell is one of these people who is advocating for us old farts dropping that whole RSS feed or, not, or die, you know, argument. But 
the point remains this is the this is exactly the kind of people that they're really trying to brainwash into assuming and accepting that it doesn't have to be a podcast in order for it to be a podcast. It can be a LinkedIn Live. It could be a YouTube video. It could be a YouTube Live. It could be a webinar for Christ. I've seen webinars being presented as podcast episodes. Are you joking? They're webinars. They're not meant to be there for you to download in your car or listen on Apple Podcasts. These are things that you invite people to because you're trying to upsell them. That's the whole point of a webinar. And anybody who says they're an educational tool, they're joking. They're lying. So, you know, for me, it, it's about understanding that just because you call a fork a spade doesn't make it so. I, I think one of the problems that people who are especially looking to do podcasting to grow their business end up being challenged with is this idea, I think it's out there really, that you're supposed to be doing all of that. All of that and then some, because all of that and then all your social media promotions and everything else on top of that, you know, like you're a media machine now. And, and I certainly felt that in my podcasting journey. I can remember doing videos, spending hours editing YouTube videos. I honestly hate editing videos. And and it was such a relief to me when someone says, you don't actually need to put this stuff out on video. Uh, no, you're right. I don't. Why am I doing this for? Like, I'm just doing it because I thought you were supposed to do it. And so I just switched around. Right, I'm just going to focus on audio and and it's, life has been a lot easier, a lot gentler since I did that. But also somebody told me, oh, you, you need to be doing LinkedIn lives every day or live video every day. The you I, should. The you should. Oh, I, I did it for, I can't even think, but I think it was up to maybe six months. So you're going to have such a big audience. So I barely moved the needle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a heck of a lot of work for very little results. And I think that's always the danger with this. Like, podcasting in general is a slow burn anyway for most people it's not a overnight success kind of thing for anybody really so i mean there may be exceptions to that but that that said there are things that are going to slow that journey down even more if you're trying to do too much and too much of the wrong things so for those who are really looking to have some success who want to do the audience growth bit and they recognize that it's not going to happen in a week what are the things that you would say you should definitely be focusing on this rather than that? It's interesting that you sort of touched on the whole jack of all trades, master of none thing with the, you know, being everywhere. You know, being everywhere is it's a Gary Vaynerchuk thing. And he's not wrong, but he is wrong at the same time. And what, what I'm going to... I'm not here to say that I know more than Gary Vaynerchuk about marketing and business. I absolutely don't. You know, I know what my space is. My space is podcasting. That's it. I've done this for 20 odd years now. I kind of think I know a thing or two about how it works. Gary Vaynerchuk's been in podcasting seven minutes, you know, comparatively. So he knows what works for him. He knows about, you know, these small digestible chunks going on every single social media platform. The problem is he is a jack of all trades and a master of none because all he's doing is selling the brand of Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, if you ask me, what does Gary Vaynerchuk do? I might be able to say, oh, he does wines. I think he does like a business guru advice. Other than that, I don't know specifically how does Gary Vaynerchuk make most of his money? I couldn't tell you. As far as I'm concerned, he's this bloke that turns up on YouTube now and again. Someone will share his LinkedIn post and he's talking absolute garbage. He's just being angry and aggressive and getting your attention. That's literally what Gary Vaynerchuk does. But in terms of business, which is what I imagine a chunk of people watching, listening, engaging with this content in some way will be trying to do is to get something back from their time invested in creating this stuff, right? Mm. Well, 
You're not going to do that by having an Instagram account posting 20 videos a day, a LinkedIn account posting content. You could, people are just going to get sick of you. Yeah. That's the truth. They are going... Gary Vaynerchuk is famous. He doesn't care. He's got a team of staff that are literally paid to put the bu- push the button every half an hour so something goes out because he's team Vaynerchuk. So the people that... He's done the work. He's built the relationship with them. They will accept him being in their timeline because they've subscribed to it. They've asked for it. You, they haven't. You're still building that relationship, which is why I said earlier, you know, one size does not fit all. You are building a relationship with these people, these relative strangers who know nothing about you yet. You want them to buy something from you or invest in your community or do something that fills your cup and makes you feel like it's worthwhile sitting down in, one, in front of one of these things or one of these things and communicating with your audience. You're only going to do that by reaching them on their level, in their terms. And that doesn't mean being on every single channel, posting, just spraying content at them. You need to be much more deliberate. Now, to answer your question directly, it's really simple. I'll give you in very, very simple terms. You need to treat this like a business. If you want to grow your podcast, whether it be a hobby podcast, a business podcast, it doesn't matter. And I don't want to hear the argument of, well, I'm not making any money from it, so I don't want to invest in it. Then don't do it because this is a thankless business. It really is. It takes everything from you and gives you nothing back in the short term. But if you're willing to do the reps, the podcasting six pack doesn't come overnight. It comes after three years of doing this, probably longer, okay? Mm. There is a way of fast-tracking, and it's very simple. Like any business, what does a business do when it wants customers? It buys them, okay? It buys its customers to start with until the reputation's there, until the growth is naturally occurring, until the trajectory starts doing that. When a business is starting out, it has to buy its customers, whether it's through marketing, through ads, through freebie content, through platforms, through doing talking events, whatever it is. All those things that we do in podcasting are part of that. But if you're only doing the freebie stuff, but you want an overnight audience, it's not going to happen. You know, like a business will do, it will spend £5,000 on Facebook ads for a month. It will go and do the Google ads campaign. And it invests its time and its knowledge into making sure that content that it's using on Google ads resonates with this ideal customer and that's what you have to do it's no good just churning out content hoping for the best and going oh my god i've only got 30 downloads again this week it doesn't work like that if you want the 3,000 downloads a week you best be investing the 3,000 downloads week of time money and driven content that targets specifically to your ideal audience yeah so if you want a business from this, treat it like a business. Yeah. And and if Gary Vaynerchuk does want to come on the show and explain what he does to us, he's very welcome. Reach out, Gary. We'd love to know what it is you actually do. I quite like Gary myself. I like his, I enjoy some of his appearances on other podcasts and stuff. But, but yeah, when you were saying like, oh, what's he do? Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah, something to do with wine. And that's about all I have That's what I know it for. <laughs> Can I have a freebie ball if you're coming on, Gary? I'm sure. I'm sure he's dying to come on Podfriends and have a chat with me. But uh, but there we go. In, interesting enough, I think one of the things I, I want to get to you, like you you had the, you have a favorite podcast at the moment, or at least a favorite podcast to to gripe about, I should say, which is one that has been 
very much pushed by Apple Podcasts, but isn't maybe as, as you said in some of your articles that I've been noticing online recently and on your own show as well, that isn't maybe doing as well as it looks like it's doing in terms of the downloads and audience follow. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I, I thought you were being genuine there and I thought you were going to talk about one of my clients' podcasts, but you're t I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about that, that very, very famous business guru, that nine-year-old fetus that has been on our TV now and <laughs> rammed down our throats, Stephen Bartlett, Mr. Sycophantic. Yeah, he's... I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to, I'm always transparent. Okay. So there might be certain biases here. I don't like him. I'm being completely transparent as, as a person. I don't like him. He rubs me up the wrong way, but it doesn't change in any way, shape or form the, the validity of the fact that, yeah, his podcast is a perfect example of one where you, you don't need to necessarily be successful for some of the platforms to join in with spreading a perception that you are more successful than you, than you actually are. I don't know why fully Apple... I genuinely don't fully understand why Apple Podcasts pushes some of the podcasts that it does so much. I can only imagine that certain relationships have been built. They would never, ever admit to this publicly, I'm sure. But I, as someone that's done a little bit myself in the past, I do know that you can have certain conversations with certain people at some of these platforms and apps, and you can get a little bit of insight that maybe you shouldn't be privy to. The algorithm of Apple Podcasts is shrouded in secrecy to the point that they put it on their homepage now so you can actually see it for yourself, but it's still shrouded in secrecy. They can never explain how it works. It's yeah. simple. Here is the, by the way, if you're interested in the algorithm of Apple Podcasts, how you can get your podcast surfaced into the chart, the fake charts, as I call them, it's really simple. It's literally how many new followers you've had in 24 hours. And that's based on, as well, a compound effect. So, for example, if your podcast already has, say, 100 followers, then you need three times the the percentile of that. So it's normally it's about 10% of your current following, right? And that gets compounded. So if you've got five followers on your podcast, it's much easier to grow and get in the charts. Hence why pretty much every new podcast does that excited, braggy social media post about, oh, I'm delighted to have got my podcast into the top 30 for cake decorating. Obviously, it's not a category that exists, but I'm trying to be kind here and not shame anybody personally. And, and the podcast gurus will do the same. They'll say, oh, delighted we got our client into the charts. Yeah, the reason you got your client into the charts was because a week ago they had no followers. Now they've got three, four, seven, 10, 20 followers. And however many followers they have on launch day, will have impact on the level of the height that they go into the charts on the week of launch. But when you've got followers, that becomes harder. So that's where they use something that I call scam marketing techniques. I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. And Stephen Bartlett is known for this. He even used to admit it publicly before he became famous, that he was going on Fiverr and buying podcast listeners. You know, he was buying the reviews. He was doing all that because he was selling marketing. That's what the social chain was. And he was using it as a shop window for, yeah, I managed to get this podcast into the charts. So he was bragging about it. Now, obviously, he hopes that you've forgotten about all that or you don't know about it. But this is literally what he's doing. And this is his strategy. With Apple Podcasts algorithm, as long as you're getting new followers and you're getting more new followers than you had before, you can surface your podcast into the charts. And it's not based historically. So you could do this in spurts. So you could say, January, campaign, go aggressive in marketing, get the podcast into the charts. 
then let it naturally drop out. February, new campaigns, spend more money on marketing, on black hat, on bot follows, on bot listens, and get the podcast in the charts again. As long as you're getting more followers all the time, then your podcast will go in the charts. I shudder to think how much he's spending in black hat marketing to keep that podcast constantly in the charts. But that has been his main marketing vehicle. You and I, we might do Facebook advertising. We might do, you know, LinkedIn premium accounts, that sort of thing, because we think a little boost from the algorithm will help us. This is his modus operandi. He's literally using his position in podcasting, having the UK's number one podcast to lift his brand. But here's the truth. His podcast gets 12,000 downloads per episode. So he's not even in the top 2% of all podcasts globally. Isn't that something? And yet Apple Podcasts would suggest, through their chart, he is listened to by millions. There are podcasts with about 20 times the size of the audience than his that are languishing around 17, 22, 30 in the, in the main. And this is the main chart as well, not the category chart. The main Apple Podcasts top 50. And this is why they're pretty much bullshit. And I think this is pretty much what you, you and what you and Tanner had been playing around with in terms of gaming that system to show exactly why it was possible uh, possible to do that. And, and you, I remember you both explaining pretty much how you gamed it as well for anyone who wanted to go and replicate those results for themselves. Anybody being, can do it. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Being it's... In those kinds of trust matters to you. Facebook ads, that's it. it. We literally, so so Tanner put the cash up because he wanted to go all in on it. But, you know, we, we literally had a conversation where I'd shown him behind the scenes. I won't say which podcast it is because, you know, I don't want people going to it and, you know, and reporting it. But I set up a fake podcast and I literally did this. It had nonsense content on it. And I got it into the top 50 of the Apple podcast chart about three years ago. And I did it again a year ago. So despite the fact that Apple were publicly claiming that they'd sorted all this out, I managed to do it again a year ago. And I told him the secret formula and he went, yeah, let's do it. Let's do the and next thing I know. This is the kind of character Tanner was. The next thing I'm looking in the morning, he's already started the campaign. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But, you know, the point is he had the spreadsheet and he proved, you know, on his blog post that, yeah, he took this. I think he did it on his philosophy podcast that he's now gone all in on. But essentially, he managed to take Practical Stoicism, that's the name of the podcast. He managed to take it from a handful of followers to thousands of followers in the space of a month. And he showed how it had an impact on his rankings. Yeah, I kind of hope Tanner comes back to Twitter because I'm not going on fucking Mastodon. <laughs> oh, no, he's a podcasting star now. You can kiss goodbye to any any podcast guruing from Tanner now. He's been the smart guy that's got out of this guru side and he's gone into the actual money-making side of it. Oh, well, fair play to him. I enjoy his, uh, his content anyway. Thanks for tuning in. Well, here's a little taster of what you'll be getting in part two of my conversation with Neil. Podcasting is literally appointment to listen to content, content, not presenters, okay? Let me make this clear, because this is where the waters can get muddied. I'm not suggesting that people are sitting there making an appointment to listen to your podcast. They are making an appointment to listen to the content that your podcast might cover. If you can get them over the line to become someone that makes an appointment to listen to your podcast that covers the content that they want to hear, 
you've won. But that's the point you have to understand here is that it's not about the guests. It's not about you necessarily at this point. It's about your content. And the content, we have to remember this, it's not about us. It's about the listener. We are having to super serve the listener, get them the content they want in these massive things they've got on the sides of their head that they then feel they're getting the ear candy from to then feel that they've had a valuable experience. I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. And if you have, do make sure you are subscribed. And if you want more Podfluence, do come and join me for the Podfluence weekly newsletter, which you can subscribe to through the link in the show notes. Do come and join us for part two of that conversation. And for now, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make good things happen.